The Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Game Podcast Network is brought to you by Unruck Fantasy. Play Unruck Pick'em for a chance to win 100 times your money. Promo code SGPN at UnruckFantasy.com for a 100% deposit match. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, sports fan research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit HOFBets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. We're also brought to you by the NASCAR Gambling Podcast. Enter their free Daytona 500 contest for a chance to win $100 cash and a $100 SGPN gift card at sportscampockets.com slash Daytona. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast Network. It is currently Sunday morning, early Sunday morning, roughly 1.20 a.m. Eastern Time. On February 18th, I'm your host, always Scott Reichel, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun but shorter episode, only, only three matches to preview in this one as we have the final in Rotterdam in Delray and in Buenos Aires. We're going to preview all three of those. Should be fun. Before we get into any of the recap, though, from Saturday's action, we want to remind everybody to like and subscribe on YouTube. Also, a reminder, if you're listening to this on Apple or on Spotify, don't forget to rate and review the podcast to let us, you know, to give us some feedback on how the show can improve or if you like it the way it is. And a reminder to check out the merch store on the SGPN website for Tennis Gambling Podcast merch. If you want to support the show, we got t-shirts, we got mugs, etc., Check out the merch on the merch store. But either way, time to get into the actual recap from the Saturday matches. Starting off with the lock and dog, unfortunately, did not do well in those. Ended up going 0-2. For the lock, we had the over 22.5 games at uh, minus 134 in the Dimenauer and Dimitrov match. Thought it would be a longer one. Thought it might go three. Did not happen. Dimitrov had some chances to break. Could not convert, and Dimenauer was just a little bit too solid throughout the course of that match, as he ended up winning on his birthday. So, happy birthday to Dimenauer, and he is now going to the final of Rotterdam, where he'll try to beat Sinner for the first time. As for the dog, ended up staying in Rotterdam, had the over 22.5 games in the Sinner and Greek Sport match at plus 116. Kind of went out on a limb there, uh, based on Greek Sport's form in front of the home country fans, and the fact that he had been doing well in the past, against Sinner in terms of keeping it competitive. Sinner had beaten him every time, but we thought Greek Sport might be able to force a breaker and maybe would be able to force a third set. Didn't happen. Sinner hit the ground running. He was great early. Greek Sport had a chance late in that second set to maybe make it interesting, but he couldn't do it as Greek Sport ended up losing in straight sets. So went 0-2 there. I look to, once again, get back on track here on Sunday. As for the actual semifinal recaps, trying to go through everything in order. Going to start off in Rotterdam. Kind of just went through the two matches. The two favorites won comfortably in straight sets. Kind of the story of the day, though, as all of the matches, including the women's final in Doha, which Swiatek ended up winning in straight sets. Straight sets was the theme because every single match ended in straight sets. So every match in Rotterdam, every match in Buenos Aires, and every match in Delray, and the final on the women's side in Doha ended in straight sets. So kind of an anticlimactic day. As for the Rotterdam matches, though, Dimenauer looked great. He's continued to emerge and play his best form, reason why he is in the top 10 right now. And Dimenauer was able to beat Dimitrov. Dimitrov did win a title in Brisbane, so the meme is dead, but... He still seems to struggle to win the big matches, and that's kind of been a theme of his for a long time, as Dimenauer was really, I don't want to say never threatened, but it felt like he controlled the entire match all the way through, and Dimitrov had a couple of chances to make it interesting, couldn't do so, as Dimenauer got the job done, and he avenged his Rotterdam loss to Dimitrov from last year. As of the second match, Sinner continues to roll. He's the second best player in the world, arguably uh, he's definitely top two. You could argue he's potentially one. Uh, but I do think that when you're looking at Sinner, he's officially now going to move up 
to number three in the world. So congrats to him as he is moving up the ATP rankings. So Sinner is now going to reach his career high, and he'll potentially be able to reach two or one later in his career. But going through Buenos Aires, you had Diaz Acosta beating Coria in straight sets. He lost the first two games of the match and then ended up winning the next six in the first set and then won the second set 6-3 as well. So we ended up leading Corey in that one. Thought it would be close. Was not the case as Diaz Acosta got the job done easily. And then you have the shocker of the day as Jari beat Alcaraz in straight sets. 7-6-6-3. We did a lean to Jari plus the games. We leaned to the over. We did not think he was going to win. Uh, so that was a bit of a shock there. But Alcaraz loses once again. And Jari ends up advancing to a final where he's a pretty decent favorite to get another clay title. As for Delray, the favorites won pretty easily. Paul beat Tiafo 6-2-6-2. Tiafo, damn, man. He just has not been very good this year in 2024. My opinion on him is well-documented on this podcast. I am not a Tiafo fan. I think he's a pretty underwhelming, I, I don't want to say player in general because he has some moments, but his overall psyche and his mental toughness is non-existent at all, and it's why I think he's one of the... Uh, I'd say most, un I, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this. He's viewed as being a potential future of American tennis. I hope that future involves some 250s and maybe some 500 titles. because He's not winning anything else besides that. I'm not a Tiafo guy, and it seems like when the tough gets going, he always quits. And he quit yesterday as Paul beat him easily. And you saw Fritz beat Giron, a competitive match early on. Then Giron kind of ran out of gas, but Fritz got the job done as he's trying to defend his title, and he's one match away from doing so. So for the outrights, we have Sinner left in Rotterdam. We have Fritz left in Delray. We do not have anybody left in Buenos Aires as both Nori and Alcaraz lost. But my main takeaway, though, for the matches yesterday, which is not really a takeaway, but it's more of a potential hot take, I got to bring it up. Because I know Alcaraz has two titles. In terms of Grand Slams, you can argue one's an asterisk with it because Djokovic was not there the year he won the U.S. Open. But Sinner is on a phenomenal heater right now, and Alcaraz is on a very bad cold streak. And I have to ask, is Sinner better than Alcaraz? Because they've been viewed as rivals for pretty much ever since they came into the ATP together. And you can make the argument because they had the legendary match in the U.S. Open the year that Alcaraz won. And Alcaraz ended up winning that match, obviously, in five. And it felt like Alcaraz was always being promoted as the next face of tennis. And it was going to be his tour. And people were trying to convince themselves he'd end up challenging Djokovic and these other guys for most Grand Slams of all time. Are we sure he's better than Sinner? I feel like we need to have this conversation. And I've been kind of, I don't want to say low on Alcaraz for a while, but I've mentioned some flaws with his game and I know, once again, he's a phenomenal player. He's won two Grand Slam titles. I'm not saying he's a scrub. That is not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is if you're going to be, be you know, promoted as being the face of tennis and the guy who's going to kind of get the torch passed to him once Djokovic retires, you can't win zero titles since Wimbledon. He's won zero titles. I feel like i got to talk about it. And Sinner's been on the warpath. He's been phenomenal. We saw him win the Australian Open. We've seen him win pretty much every single event in his path, uh, including the Davis Cup, where he was able to beat Djokovic and eventually beat uh, Dimenauer in the final there with Australia. But you're looking at uh, Alcaraz's recent slump and the reasons for it. And I've mentioned it before. I think Alcaraz is a guy that performs extremely well based on talent. The mental aspect of the game for him, I think, needs some work. I think Alcaraz is not the greatest problem solver 
on the court. I think he relies heavily on his coaches to do that. And that was one reason why he was able to win in Wimbledon. His coaches started to tell him to take a little bit off the forehand, increase the height on it. And that definitely allowed him to get back on track and to win the fifth set there. But it seems like since Wimbledon, Alcaraz, whenever he runs into an opponent that's giving him a hard time, he makes virtually no adjustments. And it seems like he's just trying to get by his opponents on sheer talent as opposed to trying to change up the actual, I'd say, way the points are being constructed the way the match is unfolding. And Alcaraz just keeps trying to smash his head against the wall, hoping that eventually he'll be able to wear it on his opponents. And it hasn't worked. And I feel like i got to bring it up again. I mentioned it before in the past, but it feels like Alcaraz, once again, can make every shot on the book. We know the talent is there. We know that, of course, the skill is undeniable. But it feels like Alcaraz will always try to hit through his opponents instead of trying to change things up, maybe slicing a bit more, coming to the net more, basic stuff just to give his opponent something to think about. And it really feels like Alcaraz doesn't do any of that. Alcaraz is so focused on winning his way, and it feels like when things don't go well, his plan A is not going according to plan. He does not really have many plan Bs or plan Cs, and that's one issue I've mentioned before that I have to mention. Now, Alcaraz, of course, is still very young, I'm not writing him off. I'm not nuts. But I'm going to tell you at this point, Alcaraz needs to improve the mental aspect of his game if he wants to even have a shot at Djokovic, which he does, which he's not going to have. He's not going to get Djokovic winning 24, 25 grand slams. It's not going to happen. I'm telling you that right now. But I feel like we have to have a conversation about Alcaraz because people keep waiting for him to dominate the tour. And I'm telling you right now, if I had to pick one guy for the rest of 2024 and maybe onward, Sinner or Alcaraz... I might take Sinner. I'm just telling you. Like, I think Sinner might be better than Alcaraz, and people are not ready to have the conversation yet. I'm ready to have that conversation. But zero titles since Wimbledon for a guy like Alcaraz who has that much talent is extremely disappointing. And I have to mention it. Because if I put if I put the banner right now that says Alcaraz has no titles since Wimbledon, you'd probably assume I'm lying. You'd probably assume that I forgot a tournament here or there. I probably am missing something in Alcaraz. I'm being a hater towards. I'm not. He literally has zero ATP titles since Wimbledon. And that's inexcusable for a guy that's supposed to be the future face of the sport. Either way, though, that's kind of the only thing I have to really talk about for uh, the actual recaps of yesterday. Nothing else to add. Paul won comfortably against Tiafo. Fritz has been in great form this season, which is why he rejoined the top 10. I got nothing more to add. So let's move on to the actual previews for the Sunday matches, starting off with the Rotterdam final, which will be between Sinner and Dimenauer. Not exactly a shock this is the matchup, but here we are, as Sinner is around a minus 400 favorite, and Dimenauer is around plus 320 the other way. As for the over-under, it is around 22 flat. Uh, You can kind of alternate. If you want to take 21.5, you can. If you want to take 22.5, you can. Uh, 20, uh, 22 flat is kind of the main line, but 21 and a half, you can find a minus 115, uh, on the over the under, you can find a minus 105 for the game spread center minus four and a half games is plus 105 demand hour plus four and a half is minus 125. As for the set spread, you can find center minus one and a half at minus 125. You can shop around though and find a minus 120. And you also can find demand hour to win a set at around plus 105, and the match to go to three sets is plus 165. Now, the head-to-head has been one-way traffic. Uh, that's really been the story of their meetings because Sinner has never lost 
to Dimenauer. So you're asking if Dimenauer can finally exercise the demon. Center is 6-0 and lifetime against Dimenauer. So we'll see if history repeats itself or if Dimenauer, who is in great form. I know Sinner's in the best form of his career. Dimenauer's in the best form of his career, too. So you can argue maybe with the form that Dimenauer's been in, having not really faced much adversity. He beat Rublev in three, but he kind of controlled the entire third set. Only said he's dropped in the entire event. Same thing with uh, Sinner, who dropped the set to Monfi, and has kind of coasted ever since. But the fact that he's 6-0 lifetime against the opponent, the fact that Dimenau really has not been close to winning a set in the last couple of meetings. The last few meetings here in the Davis Cup, 6-3-6-0. In Toronto, 6-4-6-1. I believe that was a final in Toronto. In Madrid on clay, Sinner won 6-4-6-1. Phase off in the Australian Open in 2022. Sinner won in straight sets. It really feels like Dimenauer is not even close to Sinner in the head-to-head. Now, maybe he can find a way. Am I picking that to happen? No. I think Sinner's going to win in straight sets. The reason why I picked him to win the event, it's why I think he might be, you can argue, maybe the best player in the world. Uh, I think he's per- currently at two. I would still put Djokovic ahead of him. But the point is, Sinner, I think there's a certain tier differential between Sinner and Dimenauer. Dimenauer is a very, very solid player. You could probably group him with the back end of the top 10 if you want to throw him in the... I don't think he's good enough to be in the Medvedev territory, but there's an argument where he's kind of that guy, the Rublev tier. We'll put him in the Rublev tier, where you wouldn't pick him to win a Grand Slam or even make a semi, but you would pick him to potentially win a random 500 or a 1,000 because we know how good he is. So I think the Rublev tier is a pretty good spot for Dimenauer. Sinner is in the Djokovic tier. I mean, it's not even close. You're just looking at those two guys, Sinner especially in 2024, and nobody's even close to him. It just feels like Sinner is going to win in straight sets again. He lost in the final last year to Medvedev. He's got a good revenge spot here. I know that Dimenauer has been in great form, but when the head-to-head is 6-0, and I got to see something before I pick you to pull off the upset. You can argue 400 is a bit cheap. I understand why this line is at 400. It's because Dimenauer's form has been undeniable. He's been really good. But Sinner's serve is better. Sinner's return game is solid. And the firepower is going to push Dimenauer around the court. I got to go with Sinner here. I think he wins in straight sets. Give me Sinner straight sets at around minus 130, minus 135. I did find a minus 120, so I'm going to go with that. But I think Sinner wins in straight sets. I think you might end up seeing maybe a breaker. But give me, if I had to guess the actual scoreline, 7-6-6-3, I, I think Dimonaro is going to maybe have a couple breakpoint chances early on, but Sinner is just too solid. I can't go against him. I'm giving Sinner the joke of his treatment. I just think he finds a way. Give me Sinner in straight sets of minus 120. Moving on to the next matchup, you have Buenos Aires. You have Jari taking on Diaz Acosta, where Jari is around minus 162, and Diaz Acosta is around plus 142. Over-under is set at 22 and a half games. The over in this one is minus 110. The under is minus 110. The game spread, Jari, minus two and a half games is minus 105. Diaz Acosta, plus two and a half is minus 115. As for the set wager in the over two and a half sets is around plus 130, and you can find Jari to win in straight sets at plus 160. Uh, Diaz Acosta to win in straight sets is plus 300. Diaz Acosta to win a set is minus 200. Now, the head-to-head here is kind of interesting because Jari is ahead 3-0 in the head-to-head. However, all three meetings went to a deciding set. So you've seen close matchups. Jari's been on the right side of each of them, which tells me that I think Jari in three is a good value play for this spot. Now, I do like the over 
because I think that both players have different styles in a way where Jari can use the serve, the volleying, the insane amount of firepower. Diaz Acosta, though, with the lefty topspin has been nasty in uh, Buenos Aires. The way that the ball jumps off the court like by people's heads from the topspin that he generates is incredible to watch, and I do think that's going to result in a pretty even matchup. I think that minus 162 is an understandable price based on Jar's reputation and the fact that he has won an ATP title before or a couple on clay. But I do think that Diaz Acosta is a bit mispriced here. I think it should be closer to Jari minus 130 if I had to price it. All three meetings went to a deciding set. That does tell me this matchup should be close. Should come down to the wire. Diaz Acosta does have the home country advantage. But I have to admit, I am a little bit annoyed Diaz Acosta made the final here because we picked him to win Cordoba at like 30 to 1. And unfortunately, he, or maybe not 30 to 1, I think it was 20 to 1. But we picked Diaz Acosta to win the previous tournament. And now he's in the final of this one. So I'll be a little bit annoyed, to be honest, if he wins this one instead of Cordoba. Either way, though, I recognized, especially in the Australian Open, where he almost beat Fritz in the first round. I recognized how good Diaz Acosta was, and I recognized he was undervalued in the future markets in Cordoba and in Buenos Aires. I didn't mention Buenos Aires because I kind of thought Alcaraz would just win, but I definitely acknowledge how good Diaz Acosta can be, and I think he's a nice up-and-comer for the future. But for the sake of this matchup, give me the overs. I see a war. Jari, you can argue he beat Alcaraz, so he's probably in line to win this match. Maybe it's a letdown. Maybe partially he's going to be so... Uh, you know, thrilled about beating Alcaraz. He overlooks his opponent in this one. It is possible. But I do think you're looking at a close match. I'm going to lean Jari to win it, but I do think the over two and a half sets and the over 22 and a half games is the way to go about it. Maybe a Jari team total over 12 and a half games and minus 120. You get a breaker in there, maybe a three setter in there, a couple ways to cash it. But I do think there's some value on the over. So that's going to be my main leans for that match. Moving on to the last match of the show, we have the final between two Americans in Delray between Tommy Paul and Fritz. Fritz is a uh, decent favorite here about minus 155 and Paul's around plus 135. As to the game's total is around 23 flat. Uh, you can find 23 and a half. The overs even money. The unders minus 120. 22 and a half. The overs minus 130. The under is even money. If you want to go for the actual uh, game spread here, you can find Fritz minus one and a half games at minus 125. Paul plus one and a half games is minus 105. You can also find the set wagering here. The over two and a half sets is around plus 120. Plus 125. Fritz to win in straight sets is plus 165. Paul to win a set is minus one is minus 205. And Paul to win in straight sets is around three to one. Now, the head-to-head between them has been very competitive, so I have to at least bring it up. It is currently 4-3 in favor of Paul, actually, which might surprise you. Now, looking at the last couple of meetings, it has been very close. Uh, they've been alternating for the last couple of years. Faced off in Acapulco last year, Paul did win that one in three with two tie breaks at the end, where they alternated, and Paul won a final set breaker. Faced off in Miami in 2022, Fritz won that one 7-6-6-4. Faced off in Stockholm in 2021, Paul won that one 6-4-6-4. Faced off in St. Petersburg in 2021, Fritz won that one 7-6-6-4. Faced off in... Um, Cham- uh, yeah, Champagne in 2017. Paul retired midway through the second set. Faced off in uh, Winnetka, which I don't know of, but that was a challenger event, I guess. And you saw Paul win that one, 7-6-7-5. Faced off in a future event in 2015, and Paul won that one in three. So they have alternated each of the last 
four head-to-head meetings with Paul winning the only meeting from last year on hard court as well. So I do understand why people might be tempted by Paul to get the job done here. He's been in great form. I can't deny it. He had a bit of a struggle early in the tournament with his back, especially in the Mickelson match, which he got through. He has shown no ill effects of that whatsoever. In fact, he's not dropped a set since. Beat Thompson in straight sets and killed Tiafo on Saturday. As for Fritz, he had a pretty... Interesting first set against Giron, where the first set ended in a breaker with a 10-8 scoreline. But Fritz is the defending champion, and he's not dropped a set here. So I do think Fritz is worthy of being a favorite. You can argue 155 is a bit steep. Maybe it should be closer to minus 140, minus 135. Paul has shown no signs of fatigue either after winning in Dallas, so he's in great form. I do think I'm going to lean to Fritz to win this. I am going to lean to the over, though. I think it's going to be a longer match. Might go three sets. But I do think the total of 22.5 seems a little bit low to me, especially with each of the last uh, two meetings going over this number, three of the last four going over this number. I just think you're looking at what should be a close matchup where I'm going to lean to Fritz because his serve is better, and I do think the serve will be the main differential between these players. But Fritz rejoined the top 10. He's been in great form. We know how bad things can be when Fritz is not on his game. We saw it in the back half of last year, but it seems like he hit the reset button. He looked good in Australia. He's looked good here. I think he's in line to win this. I'm going to lean to Fritz to get the job done, but I do think the value at minus 155 is really non-existent. I think there's value on Paul at this current price. I'm not going to take it, though. I do like the team total overs, though, for Fritz and for Paul. Paul's around 12.5, which I'm not the biggest fan of for this price point, but I do like the Fritz one at 12.5 at, like, minus 120. I think Fritz can win a breaker. We've seen a couple of those in this event. I think you might see a three-setter. A couple ways to get there, but I am going to lean to Fritz team total over 12.5 games here. He could lose the match and still win this. So I think there's definitely a couple ways to get there, but I think Fritz, I'm going to lean to slightly as the favorite to win it, but the value at minus 155 is really not there. I would I would advise you to take the over instead. Now, that's going to wrap it up for the actual three championship matches taking place on Sunday in Buenos Aires, in Delray, and in Rotterdam. Now it is time for the Lock and Dog Picks, but for you to back, I have a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by the SGPN Daytona 500 Contest. Rev up those engines. NASCAR is back. Check out the NASCAR Gambling Podcast. Rod and Cody have you covered for all things NASCAR and racing, from trucks to cup to IndyCar to F1. This show gives you the drivers to watch and the most profitable picks for the weekend of racing. Enter their free Daytona 500 Contest for a chance to win a $100 SGPN gift card and $100 cash. Go to sportsgamepockets.com slash Daytona, sportsgamepockets.com slash Daytona. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has a way to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long. NBA, NHL, and college basketball, simply higher or lower on your favorite players' fantasy stats and cash in. You win 100 times your money with some spicy plays. So watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little money over on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. Remember, when you sign up, use the promo code SGPN. Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger betting smarter this, this NBA season with Hall of Fame Bets. Sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NBA, 
and talk about the historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea into Hall of Fame Bets' revolutionary par optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet or in which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop back in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent bedroom parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit HOFBets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished recapping the uh, semifinal matches on Saturday in Buenos Aires, in Delray, and Rotterdam. Then we previewed the final matches for Sunday in those three tournaments. Now it is time to get into the actual lock and dog picks for the show. Starting off with the lock, I am going to go to the last match we talked about. I am going to look at the matchup between Fritz and Paul. Give me the Fritz team total over 12 and a half games here at minus 120. Fritz has gone over this number in two of the three matches he's played in this event. He's also had at least one tiebreaker in four of his last six matches, including uh, two of the matches here. He had a breaker against Giron in the Saturday match. He also had a breaker in the first round against Borges. We know Fritz is a good server, not always a great returner. I think you might get a breaker here, maybe a 7-5. couple ways for Fritz to get there, though. Uh, you're also looking at the head-to-head matches, and Fritz has gone over this number in five of six head-to-head meetings. They faced off seven times, technically. One of them, Paul retired in, so I am going to ignore that. But Paul's gone over in five of the six head-to-head matches that were completed. So I do think you're looking at a good body of work to draw from. You're looking at the head-to-head meetings. You're looking at the matchups in Delray. It seems like Fritz is very capable of winning matches, winning tie breaks, and I do think you're looking at Fritz probably going to at least one seven-five or 7-6 set, or maybe Fritz goes to three sets. A couple ways to get there, but I do think 12.5 for a team total is a pretty good price. Give me the over as my lock. For my dog, I am going to go to the matchup in Buenos Aires between Diaz Acosta and Jari. Give me the over two and a half sets at plus 130. Very interesting matchup where Jari has a lot of firepower, very tall, and he definitely can unload on the tennis ball. While you're looking at Diaz Acosta, who can generate a lot of topspin with his lefty forehand, and I do think you're looking at what should be a pretty unpredictable match. And we have seen the head-to-head suggest that because each of the three head-to-head meetings, whether it was on clay or on hard court, went to a deciding set. So the fact is, we've seen them face off against each other before. It has been competitive, has been very up in the air, and expecting history to repeat itself once again at plus 130 is a very good price, in my opinion. That's why I'm going to take that as my dog. So once again, my picks for the show, the lock is going to be on Fritz. Team total over 12.5 games at minus 120, and my dog will be on Diaz Acosta and Jari over 2.5 sets at plus 130. That's going to wrap it up. For this episode, you can find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. You can find me on the NBA show, the MLB show, the WNBA show. You get the point. Until next time, though, for the next episode, we are going to preview three more events. We have Doha, we have Los Cabos, and we have Rio. So we do have a 500 event on clay. We're going to preview all three of those in the next episode. But until then, though, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.